Okay, welcome everybody. Here we are sitting and trying to record episode four, I guess. Three? One, two, three. Yeah. With Maroline Lomen. Mm hmm. And uh, yeah, I have a bunch of questions. Okay. And we just try it and, and see how it goes. So, so far, what I know. Mm -hmm. And they are pretty much very uh, a lot of stuff which is which are common interest uh, with me. Yeah. Like you are a nutrition and health student, and you are following the entrepreneurship track. Yeah. Track. Yeah. And I've checked you on LinkedIn, <laughs> and you have uh, you you completed a very interesting bachelor, which was a very multidisciplinary. Uh, course yeah. or how do you say it and yeah. it was psychology social science some life science life sciences yeah, yeah. wow yeah it's interesting yeah it was really well after high school i didn't really know what to do and i looked at a lot of different studies and i just didn't know because it didn't really click for some reason i just kept something missing and then I found out about university college and the thing is you can basically um, you can basically create your own studies. So for me that was something like, oh my God, this is what yeah. I want to do. Because I was interested in health, but I do, did not only want to approach it via medicine, for instance, or psychology, but I felt like there's more to health than just the physical aspect or the mental aspect. So that's why I wanted to start it off really broad because I wanted to explore this, like what do I like best or do I still want to have this super multidisciplinary approach? And in the end it appeared to be like that, like I really like the combination of everything. So I did life sciences and psychology and um, yeah, with UCM is you have to explore every discipline basically. So I did a lot of different courses. It's in Maastricht, right? In Maastricht, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Cool, cool. And so you, you didn't know what you wanted to do then, but you mm -hmm. you, ha you had this urge that you want to contribute somehow or you were just this completely innocent uh, young girl <laughs> like, I just want to learn something interesting. No, I wanted to contribute something, but I think not really in the, um, yeah, in the conventional kind of sense, if that, if that makes sense. Mm. What is the conventional? Yeah, I don't. I, mean, I think just. The I think many people just follow the school and then they they want to get a job. Yeah, and, and that's it. That's the conventional. Yeah, and that's what I was wanting to do as well. But then after, yeah, UCM also changed me a lot. I think I became really critical and I wanted to search for or at least study what I found uh, interesting and not just like here you have some course and you can do it. Um, which of course is fine, but before I didn't have the mentality of really fighting for what I want to do. And at UCM, I really had to talk to my advisor about every step I took. Like, why do you want to take this course? Why do you think it's important? And otherwise I couldn't do it. So I really learned to, um, yeah, to think about every step I took. And that also, yeah, you learn a lot about yourself by oh, doing so. So you got there a serious mentoring too. <laughs> yeah, everyone gets a personal advisor. Yeah. yeah cool. Yeah. And then uh, after that, Wageningen was a 
direct choice? It was obvious to, to come here? Or? Mm, not really, because afterwards I was still a bit stuck, I guess, because I didn't know what to do after there weren't really, because I didn't enter disciplinary bachelors, right? Yeah. And there are not too Specification many. Specification is yeah. difficult. I and guess. I felt like I didn't have enough knowledge to really enroll in a master's that asked for certain specific qualities. Mm, but there were not really too many interdisciplinary masters that's yeah. still kind of uh, developing. So then I was like, okay, I have no clue what I want to do. But I felt like I had the psychology side, the, the physical side, but there was also nutrition. Okay, it's maybe also a bit physical, but nutrition was something that also sparked my interest a lot. But I didn't have courses in, in Maastricht that's not really too common at least not in the bachelor's or the courses that I um, found. So then I thought, well, I just give it a try and they accepted me here. So I was super happy. <laughs> yeah. And if, uh, if I see what you follow the, these courses with the entrepreneurship uh, track, this is pretty much uh, kind of your own design again. Yeah, like. exactly. And I think that's also how it started because um, at, at UCM, we also had entrepreneurship courses and business courses, and I always was like, no, that's definitely not for me. And yeah, I don't know. I didn't even try it. I just thought that's not for me. And then I came here and I um, struggled a bit with the fact that I was really stuck in this program, right? Because it was for the first time now yeah. that people say, okay, these are the course you have to take. And it, yeah, that's maybe also a bit of a, a um, pitfall but if you tell me things like that I have to do I'm yeah. going to search for ways out and I was also like okay but this is not what it didn't spark my yeah how do I say this I don't know I felt I couldn't take out uh, I couldn't take out everything I needed a bit more not only this nutritional side like this is good yeah. and this is how you should do it but I missed the broader overview and then it kept me thinking, okay, what do you want to do afterwards? Is it really into research or maybe more in the business side? And that's basically how I, how I found the entrepreneurship track, because I think it's super important to not only have the researchers that are good in, you know, doing these research jobs, but also to have these people that can build the bridges between the more like business side of it and the research that has been done. Yeah, and many people think that, uh, okay, we know that the world is going around business. Mm -hmm. And, uh, of course, sometimes it's uh, stigmatized in a way that, oh, the business is for the greedy dudes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, how can we do then anything, uh, any change? How can we achieve if we don't know how the business world is uh, working and what are the practices, what can be used also for for useful stuff not just for greedy intention uh, yeah yeah exactly so i think it's important to have at least more people with a with a master's degree that have also this link and they at least know a little bit about how these things work i mean you know that of course as yeah. well if you're doing yeah. these courses yeah yeah i was i was uh, not able to follow these courses but when I was doing my internship here at Start Life, I was, at, uh, I was using my internship to to follow the course. Mm -hmm. So I was not officially enrolled, but I mm. was just following the course. So oh, it was yeah. also yeah. cool. Yeah, and uh, because 
I know that uh, you really care about about stuff in the world. So you also showed up in the social entrepreneur uh, uh, meetup, and I'm very curious. How do you experience uh, nowadays in your environment? Uh, how other students uh, think about to uh, not just business, but uh, business with an impact? Uh, you you can you kind of uh, estimate the ratio how much percentage of the people the students are really like oh we want to do this because of uh, for the for a better world or yeah, something yeah mm, i think that's hard though because i haven't been in business for too long and i think in Wageningen we have quite um um quite an uh, it's a different kind of population yeah. different kind of people that are here so yeah. the people i meet here and that are involved in business at least most of them they are really passionate about you know making a change but i'm not really sure like um yeah if i maybe if i my brother he's studying in the in rotterdam yeah and i notice already this is when hardcore I, business this is yeah. really different yeah. he's not studying yeah. business but i can I can see if we have discussions or anything like that his way of thinking is different and maybe a bit tougher because here everything is more like which is also nice people inspire each other but yeah. sometimes you miss maybe this critical voice the devil's advocate maybe yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. cool and you have already a project running right yeah in, in Felden in Velden, yeah in Velden, Felden yeah exactly super it's about small it's, it's about uh, uh, food for us right mm -hmm. yeah so basically i started half a year ago with a friend and she was studying well we both come from felde which is super yeah. small place so i already knew about her but we didn't really connect before and then i i encountered her here and uh, i met her again in wageningen so then we, we got to talk like, oh, what are you doing here? And she was into uh, sustainable agriculture. I was more of the nutrition side. And we were just discussing this like, yeah, but we should, you know, there are super nice projects here already and it works. But I feel like in Limburg, where I'm from, the south, um, it it's, it's a few steps behind and it always takes time before things get through. And we were like, okay, why should we not try? And, because people always say, yeah, maybe they are not ready yet or something. So we were like, okay, we just try and then see how it goes. And yeah, basically now we <laughs> we started it. So it started out of a bit of a fun idea and then it grew up. There were a lot of people that were super enthusiastic. We were like, okay, whoa, okay, we have to start now. We cannot say, oh no, yeah. we were just trying something, but we have to actually go through with it now. Cool. And I was watching the intro video super nice <laughs> and you have a real message behind uh, the whole project mm -hmm. like you have the educational purpose yeah. uh, the children in in the target uh, as, a, as a target group mm -hmm. to approach and uh, the project will also uh, kind of support the biodiversity in this area and of course the the social social engagement can be also uh, triggered by it and what is the main focus or how, how because it's very nice how you actually integrated everything I see also the, the food and the local food production uh, from all of these angles mm -hmm. so we cannot uh, just put it like this is uh, 
like food production and you don't have to go there uh, you know which is the the industrial agriculture most of the time is they are the farmers are not creating nice places to be yeah uh. and of course people don't want to go there they they don't want to spend their time there but why not i mean yeah we were also thinking about this like how can we really change it and then i mean healthy food is super hot topic now but um helene my friend is then in the sustainable agriculture and then we also encounter in the food forest and we thought that was maybe a super nice way of combining healthy food but not only staying in this conventional way of producing it but also showing people another uh, way of having healthy food but at the same time um, producing it sustainably and um, yeah that's basically what that's where it started and then we felt like okay we have to include as many people as possible so we want to have the children interacting with the elderly or the people that are um, alone sometimes and the teenagers which are still a bit hard to (laughs) to get connected to the project but yeah we want to have everyone involved yeah but if you create a kind of uh, uh, milieu or a kind of uh, environment uh, that just like environment but uh, you know this uh, this nice uh, feeling nice setting what you have it for example in, a, in the creative garden mm-hmm. that uh, can also attract the, the younger people also with the cooking and music and all of this yeah exactly yeah so it's not not that a not uh, that big challenge uh, just uh, you know just try to uh, step in their shoes and uh, see what attracts them yeah exactly but it's now we have already most people are already linked in some way to the project except for these Hmm. uh, the youngsters and then we found now a location which is next to all the sport sports facilities which is super convenient but there because there are all these young people we want to actually involve in our project as well so it's yeah we are in the in the middle of the of the of the village so it's also a lot of visibility that we hope it will work out the way we think and is it a a social initiative with an entity with a legal entity or uh, what is the plan you gonna create a business model or not or what is the biggest challenge right now Mm. besides the youngsters (laughs) the biggest challenge now is not really sure now it's going pretty we had the the really big problem of the location but that's solved like hmm. one month ago yeah. so that's super nice but we still have yeah in order the government or the municipality wants to help us but in order for them to help us we need to become a foundation or something mm-hmm. like that mm-hmm. but we already found a solution because there are people that already have a foundation which is urban farming and they said okay we want you guys to be you know you can become a, a separate entity of our foundation so you don't need to pay all the money because it's mm. quite expensive to yeah. to uh, set up a foundation um, so that's all solved now i think now f- i think the biggest challenge is to keep people motivated because a lot of people said they want to become involved but they're go yeah we had a lot of time talking to people and discussing things but uh, yeah of course the people that want to be involved they don't see all this so we yeah. really need to find a way of keeping them involved and before we actually can start and 
yeah planned and really do stuff yeah and you're gonna also have a fixed days uh, there like a sunday or uh, two days a week or what is the plan because there are many many but i experienced that the in a food chain even if you are going to a restaurant or uh, from the from the farm to the fork mm-hmm. there are many many micro tasks which should be done and the organization is sometimes a bigger challenge than uh, to to do this uh, these these uh, micro tasks tasks and uh, what is the plan with that we haven't really talked about yeah. this yet. We still have to even figure out if we want to have uh, members or whether we want to have just sponsors. Or We actually set a meeting for that now. Um, but that's the thing uh, we want. Helene and I started and we had this kind of idea, but we also wanted to become a community project. So for us, it's really also looking at well, it's obviously is great learning experience but also um, we do not want to have everything like okay this is how we are going to do it because we want to have input from other people so we created a board now and we really want to make them also um, yeah and how do you say involved yeah Yeah. involved or be the part of it that they take the responsibility Yeah. yeah so that if we step away in maybe a couple of years because we also don't know what will happen after we graduate or something that it's still sustainable and that it's not like okay these two girls wanted to have it this and that way but we actually didn't want so now we Mm. stop or something i don't know yeah talking about uh, responsibility in the in this promo film you were also mentioning that uh, you feel responsible to to create this environment where Mm -hmm. people can can learn about food and uh, know Get, get to know every aspect of food production yeah and how did it uh, develop it's already from the from the bachelors or mostly in Wageningen and do you feel that uh, with other uh, fellow students that this responsibility is there because what I see is that uh, I think that the food production almost every task around food production is a very responsible task almost as uh, like in a in a medicine in the, in the, for like doctors because if we don't eat the right food mm-hmm. then it has it will have uh, huge consequences for the society and also on a personal level so and that strong moral and responsibility what i li- miss a little bit from the mainstream uh, agriculture or food mm-hmm. how did it start for you for me how did it start i don't know i think i always already had it a bit that i felt really like i have to do something or i have to take responsibility to change because yeah maybe that's also what my parents had always used to say to me like you have to do it yourself no one no one else will do it for you so then at some point i was like okay i know i don't know like i'm not a food forest expert not at all but yeah to not do something i will not never really become an expert i think that's all also the pitfall if you think you first have to know everything you will never do it so i think that was an important step for me to just start doing stuff because you will learn on the way what you have to learn Mm, but i think this urge of really taking the responsibility i always kind of had it 
And I, some weeks ago, I actually had this also discussion with a friend of mine. We were discussing this and I also said like, it's, it's strange, like some, yeah, I don't know how we even got there. But then she mentioned, I think you have a bit more of this urge, you know, to really take the responsibility than others. And then it also hit me like, okay, it's not that everyone has this and it's not necessary for everyone to have this. But I agree with you that I think most people maybe are the mainstream. I'm talking yeah. more about uh, people who are uh, studying agriculture and food sciences. Okay, really so that's, that, yeah, that's that's what I miss. Uh, because for, from the average people, I can understand because for me, it was also like, uh, I also studied just uh, uh, first in Hungary, just the industrial agriculture. Mm -hmm. It was not even a course or anything about organic or whatever. And uh, it started to become the norm. Yeah. And uh, then I, I studied more and more. And after I spent 10 years in different uh, universities, then I, I got this broader picture also what similar what you have this uh, multidisciplinary aspect uh, and overview, which is since I have it, uh, I feel that urge cheese man, no one is seeing what is happening and uh, we should do something or tell at least uh, uh, raise awareness to to talk about this kind of uh, yeah. things. But I think that's super difficult. I think most people see it, but they just don't know what to do about it and then ignore it. And I think it's such a shame and it's really a misconception that you cannot... I've heard this phrase so many times, like, what does my choice? My choice doesn't make a difference, but it does, you know? Yeah. But just this thing of, okay, I know what's going on, but what can one person do and yeah, i think bit that's the uh, victim mentality maybe yeah, yeah or just not knowing and then yeah raising awareness could help but i think also and that's what why we also started this project that people take responsibility even if it's super small but that they at least start doing something about it yeah i don't know i <laughs> i also don't have the answers but yeah I think so what what would you uh, advise to anyone who wants to start a food forest project just start just start mm. what is the minimal uh, size of land what is needed mm, I have seen super small food forests so it can be even in your backyard mm, but if you yeah there are super cool projects going on also in them boss I then food pot boss is called and it's uh, this is a really interesting project because they combine the food forest with really um, because in a normal food forest it's not really um, possible to get a lot of harvest or at least for for how do you say this for um, supermarkets or something. But then Food Boss actually made this design so they have enough to also build this business around it so you can do a lot of different stuff it's just about how you want to do it and i think that's also the nice thing of food forest there are a lot of people that already have quite some knowledge but you can also do it in many different ways so if you feel like you want to do it more in a business kind of way it's possible but also in other like education or even just the design can be super 
yeah can we really adjust it to what you yeah. want so we we got back to the point where i think with hank uh, we were also uh, discussing this that uh, you know the conventional uh, industrial agriculture is just about the more uh, about the amount mm-hmm. and this is their their goal it's sometimes it some, uh, seems crazy because they just want more of for any price any environmental cost or, or social cost doesn't matter mm. <laughs> but it's a, a long long known uh, thing that only focusing on the amount of production it's it's a pitfall uh, you won't get far with that no. because that the small farmers because of their size they are too small and the big big farmers yeah they have to have a lot of uh, loans and uh, they get into the financial trap mm-hmm. and why don't you why don't they focus on these second and third activities how it used to be because then if it has this social angle then it's much more safer and much more fun to to do it yeah i guess yeah but i think it's money is a big issue also yeah but if we if we see the industrial agriculture the production you know that you see overall the in the world the poor farmers the poor small farmers so even though they are focusing on the money and the amount what they 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 don't get better off yeah that. yeah i know because we had these discussions also with farmers just put some trees next to your land and it will actually improve your harvest and you know earn more money um but they don't want to do it they say no it causes shade and a lot of other troubles and i don't want to so maybe it's also awareness again people yeah. just don't know factory farm i mean uh, that's the thing like the soil out there the big lands they became used as factories and food food factories and that's why the you know on the countryside in most of the uh, rural places there is uh, unemployment so people don't have anything to do because the Mm -hmm. automation is already so developed but on the other hand if you see people in these giant uh, cities which are just getting bigger and bigger there are such a big amount of, of suffering and people are yeah they have all kind of uh, diseases and mm. and psychological problems because i i think these apartment complexes are not the most uh, human uh, constructions no no yeah that's sad yeah and what do you think what you have learned in the entrepreneurial track those tools are they helping you getting forward uh, even if it's a social project Mm, yeah for me i think it definitely helps because it it um it makes you look different at projects and i can also understand other people better so if we are talking to different stakeholders I can understand where they're coming from and I because you basically know the underlying mechanism at least a little bit so yeah for me it it helps yeah and uh, would it be the ideal thing to to really establish a company after you graduate or what what would be the what is the dream yeah, the dream is, um, well, Helene and I actually, we want to get together and start dreaming like f- 
full on. So what what do we actually want with this? And um, so we're still thinking about maybe we we um, yeah we leave this project once it's standing and then um, continue with the two of us. But how and what? I mean, if we re- really dream big, we want to travel the world with this. But how does this even going to be possible or you know because it's quite of a you have to invest a lot um yeah it takes a long time so i'm not sure but we have to see preferably like if i can really um if i can really say what i want to do then that would be nice if we can start a business somehow with the two of us doing good also earning some money yeah i mean (laughs) yeah and uh yeah then traveling the world maybe and how do you see because we touched upon the agriculture part the social part the business part Mm -hmm. but your main uh, course is the nutrition and health so what about that how do you see that uh, fitting in the picture well that will come in later obviously and uh, but i'm already talking to some people about how we can actually connect this food forest to nutrition and or nutritional programs or whatsoever um so i think that would actually fit in really nicely but yeah definitely because that's what i also see that these very very specific knowledge about agriculture uh, or or even organic agriculture and and then if you see some some people they don't really they know a lot about this these mm-hmm. topics they produce uh, amazing products but they don't seem to care that much about uh, what they eat sometimes so there is a spe- specific focus and you don't see that this uh, holistic view is often uh, present however they are amazing people amazing projects and i know it's just somehow some little thing is uh, missing yeah yeah so that's hopefully what we will (laughs) we will do but i think also it takes time and that's the hardest thing because i do not know where i will be in five or ten years and such a forest actually needs time to develop so we have some ideas but it's also hard to really place them in time and when we can start what and how this will even develop. And also because a food forest gives food that is not like not what people are used to. So how are we even dealing with this? And yeah, so a lot of things, I mean, it it gives room to a lot of creativity as well. Even with nutrition, you can start, I mean, a whole different type of... I know. <laughs> yeah, so it's super cool, but it's it's also difficult. Yeah, so we're still figuring out how we want to do this. Yeah, it's it's amazing. Uh, I Okay, I'm a vegan now mm-hmm. since uh, March. I'm not that very... Uh, how do you say? I don't put politics or any kind of, you know, these drastic things or... Okay. I feel sorry for the animals, of course, mm-hmm. but I just try this way of uh, nutrition beca- first of all because of my own own health because I just don't trust in uh, in the industrial way of uh, meat production. Yeah, and I also got to the point that if I'm if I'm not 
able to kill an animal that why why would i eat it yeah yeah uh, but you see many times that uh, this is the the biggest issue about uh, the animals like uh, so if someone is going to vegan then they go right away about oh poor animals mm-hmm. i'm totally with them but it can be so at the same time as it's putting the shame right away on the people who actually eat the animals so yeah, i yeah. think if you just have a choice of a vegan and you explain what why is it good for you then it can be more effective than uh, than kind of blaming the people who who don't do that mm-hmm. yeah and the question is Ah, there are many questions uh, raised <laughs> one question because i wanted to go back to the responsibility because uh, there was one point what i what i wanted to focus on that you think that you feel responsible because of the knowledge what you acquired during your years uh, you know dive into these uh, studies and topics and being in this environment where many people are uh, interested and involved in uh, these researches mm-hmm. you think that there is a correlation between the level of your feeling uh, responsible of uh, conveying this message with the food forest and the, the, your environment or your uh, studies yeah definitely I think that yeah of course you get uh, the the environment influences you but then on the other hand I feel if it's um, it also happens because it's connect it connects with me or anyone if it connects it works and if it's not if I wouldn't yeah how do you say if it if it wouldn't connect then even if you're in such an environment it wouldn't work yeah. so I think yeah for it it definitely helps but it's not like you are you are changing your opinions because of your environment, I guess. I think it can actually spark some interest or things you want to do or not. It can yeah. tell you a lot. Yeah. 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 And what about your diet? Do you have any specific tips for <laughs> the viewers or for me? If I have tips. Hmm. Uh, it's, um, I don't know. I think it's always difficult because... I feel diet is something which is super personal. So what would work for me would not work for you, for instance. So I'm not sure if I really want to give a general thing. I would just say then listen to your body basically, because if you you can feel if something is good for you or not. Yeah, it's a it's a very tricky advice because uh, <laughs> some some food products are actually influencing your body on a way that. Uh, it feels good in the moment when you eat it <laughs> okay but it feels good yeah you can it can feel good but it yeah. can, you can also feel it i think mostly in your in your stomach so not yeah. like okay i eat chocolate and then for a moment it's maybe super nice but yeah. then in the end i feel like cramps or you just if you um, i think most people are also kind of numb for it but if you really um how do you say this maybe adjust a bit more to your body you can actually feel also tiny changes maybe in how your mood afterwards or because if the chocolate is super nice for a minute that afterwards you kind of drop and get tired that's also a thing if you get tired i used to think there was something super wrong with me but then 
I figured it's just the food. These tiny things, and that's also the difficult thing about food, I guess, that you it's not always super obvious that this food does this to you. You think, oh, I'm tired because I already did a lot of stuff, maybe, and not because you just yeah. ate a lot of chocolate or... And you know, these, uh, there are many narratives uh, are still spreading that you, eat, you need to eat a lot, you need a lot of protein, like... Meanwhile, we know that, for example, uh, yeah, there is also to digest a certain amount of food that costs enormous amount of energy. Mm. So even you, I- even if you eat uh, the good amount that uh, you possibly need, because uh, you need to need to go, you need to have some uh, nutrition for your body. It costs you so much energy to to digest sometimes that. Uh, the how do you call it the equal uh, like if equilibrium. you yeah the equation the uh, equation, equation is pretty much uh, you know sometimes like okay you ate but you were basically ate to digest <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. and I think even if you walk in a supermarket uh, a lot of stuff is just if you only read what's on the back of the products you think like why do they put so many stuff in it yeah. It can be, it, yeah. It you have to ju- digest all this and break it down and into parts that your body actually can digest. So, yeah. I mean, in the supermarket, I think sometimes I feel it's quite hard to get real food, like clean food. Yeah, that was basically my my main question yeah, about yeah. like because I think that maybe there there is a way uh, go to go towards uh, whole food or and uh, i think it's better if you are as much as possible involved in the food what you eat in the production okay even if it's not gardening but at least uh, the cooking part and you know the ingredients it's already a much uh, it's a big step towards knowing what you eat and what you put in your body yeah exactly yeah so then that would be nice if you prepare a lot yourself yeah that uh okay if you mean it like that so not not uh ready to eat things but yeah yeah i agree i fully agree with you for me this feels really like normal like this is what all people do right (laughs) so i don't really think about it anymore if people ask me it's just yeah i'm super blessed that i grew up with on the countryside we have our own garden and stuff so if i'm at my parents we do not go to the shop we go to the garden and we yeah. pick some veggies and fruits and and now i really learned to appreciate it when i was younger i was always a bit annoyed because then we had to eat beans for like two months because <laughs> you know yeah. we had to harvest them at all at the same time but now i'm super grateful that we yeah. that i learned how to work with it as well yeah it's also amazing these uh, seasonal diets yeah uh, every every uh, meal had their own own uh, place in the year throughout mm-hmm. the year but what the supermarkets produce or provide nowadays is the all-year dietary summer mm-hmm. have you heard this uh, concept mm, i haven't heard <laughs> but it like it's pretty yeah, much yeah. Yeah. it sounds good but uh, i don't know yeah that's a problem a lot of people just feel like oh, i want to eat strawberries so for me yeah. that's like but it's not supposed yeah. to be okay. here <laughs> i'm also guilty i like the banana part of it yeah okay <laughs> yeah me too 
<laughs> yeah, that's that's a thing. Sometimes I feel okay. Should I eat that banana? But I know it's not really sustainable to eat it. But it's also handy to have it, you know, because that's what I find sometimes difficult. If you go somewhere, you always have to think about bringing food or, you know, at least have food. Because yeah. if I have to buy food somewhere, if I'm on the way, it's not not often that I can find really yeah. nice stuff. And I like the banana because it has its own packaging. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm just <laughs> so, then so I'm like, yeah. <laughs> overwhelmed that everything is in packaging. And yeah, yeah. It's crazy. Exactly. Actually, sometimes I have these periods when I when I choose a scape, scapegoat uh, <laughs> from my food. Uh, sometimes it's grain, sometimes it's sugar. Okay, sugar is almost totally eliminated from my my uh, diet mm -hmm. but then if i go for the for the grains then is uh, no pasta nothing at all and uh, what you were saying also that people just uh, got used to certain meals you know i i was kind of uh, processing this whole uh, idea of why we eat what we eat because there are also many documentaries but also if you just uh, being aware of what you do and why you do you you just think about that wait a minute how, how did it start or why yeah, yeah. and uh, you know the the grains and the, and the meat they were the most uh, yeah in in a uh, couple of hundred years ago in all the uh, Asian times they were the the food products which was kind of easy to to carry on or transport or do whatever but it doesn't mean that we have to eat it all the time mm. and uh, actually I was for a long long time <laughs> it's strange because my uh, diet uh, challenge started uh, from normal to paleo first mm, yeah so i was eating a lot of uh, meat but i but i didn't eat uh, any grains and anything and i really looked deeper into this uh, grain uh, business and uh, the whole uh, the grain as a whole entity and i figured out that jesus christ they the industries want to feed everybody and everything with grain like if you see the dog foods the, the cows the pigs the cats uh, the fish mm. and the people if you just see what kind of restaurants uh, you can see uh, the italian uh, or the bakeries or the, Ch the, the chinese also have a lot of noodles and stuff or the fast food restaurants mm. it's just amazing that this is still happening while we have uh, different technologies to to uh, store other products or have almost all the time fresh veggie products and meanwhile this focusing on on a enormous amount of grain production it causes very very uh, serious environmental problems for example so i see uh, grain production and uh, animal husbandry the industrial one combined together one of the most harmful for our environment and and i'm just not talking about the the numbers what they say as pollution but it's just it's okay sometimes it's nice to see a big uh, field mm. but it 
I'm from a city where there, there is a very, very good, good land. So when you leave the city, you just see everywhere this uh, industrial, uh, wow. yeah, so even corn or wheat. And yeah, what can you do there? I mean, <laughs> you just drive through and that's yeah, it. Yeah. Oh, it was fun to be here. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. And uh, last weekend I was again visiting the uh, Maritime Museum, you mm -hmm. know, the, the, with the shipping and stuff. And there were certain products named of, uh, as, a, as being trade or being traded. I don't know if I'm saying good, but the the grains were the the godfather or the or the oldest thing of uh, trade. Yeah, yeah. And it's still happening. And so the paleo uh, mindset was explaining that, come on, dude, <laughs> if you would be a paleotic man, which I mean genetically you are almost the same. You would never find that amount of uh, mm, starch at, at one one place. Yeah, yeah. And of course, it's not even processed, so you could never overdose yourself. But it is the same with table sugar. Yeah. So in that sense, these logics, these patterns, I picked up and try to try to moderate my consumption. And but it's strange how from paleo you no know, i'm at uh, vegan but it's a it's a journey and a continuous learning process about uh, my body and yeah but i think it's that's how it starts right you yeah. get you just uh, get some insight in certain then you start with paleo but then you find out more about why they actually do this and then yeah, yeah. how you feel about it i think that's good and even if you what you said like i try to um how did you say it? i try to uh find each each time another product that i do not yeah, eat yeah. i think that's a super clever way of doing it even because i also used to every once in a while i eat no sugar one month and it's super hard to get adjusted to it again because i have to look at the packages and almost everywhere everywhere what if i want to eat with friends and stuff i have to be like oh sorry guys but there's sugar in here you know and they're like, what? But that's a good yeah. And then good way you are the weirdo. <laughs> hmm? And then you are the weirdo because yeah, you don't exactly. eat meat or don't eat sugar. <laughs> ah, come on. No, but I find a lot of people yeah. find it also interesting because yeah. they were like, has there sugar in here or any other uh, ingredient? And they, yeah, and that's also the thing. So a lot of people don't know what's in there. I mean, I also don't know what's in every product, but... Um, yeah, I get surprised a lot if I look at packages. Yeah. So I think it's yeah. super nice to try it out at least a month and then you see like, okay, whoa, well, I didn't know this or that. And, and many, many people, I also, I was also, uh, I was not uh, informed all the time, but no, I'm kind of uh, safe because of Ava. Too. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I just wanted to but say that, Ava. Yeah, uh, that uh, people say it's a, you know it's also a common narrative that oh but your body needs sugar so it's okay and they don't differentiate between the table sugar yeah, yeah. and the sugar which is naturally in some some products yeah and uh, yeah and the other thing that what i'm also kind of still 
very annoyed or whatever that there are certain products which are just uh, not good <laughs> for us for example uh, these uh, I don't I don't talk anything about uh, the the candy bars and all of this mm. okay it's nice it's a bit uh, shame for the kids <laughs> to feed them with that but we were also eating that but I'm more about the margarine and these kind of products which are like if it's hydro hydrogenized mm -hmm. then it has this uh, it's hydrogenized uh, oil because otherwise it would be fluid mm -hmm. right and it has this uh, effect on the body that can it's a high chance that it can have the effect on the body that it ra raises the inflammation in the body and if we see uh, most of the diseases what we have they are based on inflammation and we are just feeding 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 just with with the with our diet this uh, slight uh, inflammated body and that's why we are much more vulnerable to certain diseases yeah yeah, it's strange if you think about these things. I was talking to this with a, a professor also about margarine and he said... Uh, was I correctly uh, explaining how it works? Kind I, think, of? I think so, yeah. Okay. But he also said uh, margarine is not even butter anymore, yeah. but, but everyone calls it butter. Yeah. So you can see how, how this is also stuck in people's minds. Like you just have to push through as an industry and at some point everyone will just call it butter but he says there's nothing buttery about it like no, <laughs> that's no, even no. a word yeah but that's uh, that's the weird thing and i think that's also a bit the danger about the whole healthy trend because i feel a lot of people they are also um yeah they are they are how do you say this? They're trying. They they are trying. No, oh, there but is they no are fat. Just oh, th that's the other uh, misconception that fat. Or I don't know. No, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> after I was seeing the last vegan movie, I don't know if uh, fat is good or not. <laughs> but uh, yeah. But that's what most people try to avoid uh, by buying uh, margarine instead of butter, right? I think so. Yeah, but yeah. It's super, again, super personal. And I think you have to, okay, with, with these products, I would, I would say just think about what's really happening. Is it really still butter or maybe just a, a yeah. trick? But um, I think what's also dangerous is that there are a lot of people that are not eating healthy because they think it's crap, this whole healthy trend. Yeah. And I think that's also kind of, I always get a bit flabbergasted by it because they say, yeah, it's such a, such a nonsense, this mm. whole healthy eating stuff. And then I think, but you're, you are also getting fooled now eh, by just eating not healthy. Just, you know, they say, and that's maybe also a Dutch thing. You have to just be normal, you know, you have to yeah. always be normal. And they are like, yeah, why, why are, why are people doing this healthy thingy? We just have to eat from the supermarket or, or something. And then I'm like, yeah, but yeah, you also get tricked into doing that because it's not healthy. What people, it's just, they want to make money and they do not necessarily care if it's good for you. Yeah. 
Yeah, and th- that was the other thing. I almost repeat myself in every podcast that <laughs> <laughs> actually people don't realize that this relationship, what we have with food, which is kind of this uh, embedded trust from the source. If it's nicely packaged, if uh, the music is nice, yeah. if the if the the setting of the shop is is beautiful, then we just trust because it's also the brand awareness. Oh, they are everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we are surrounded with. But if we go deeper or back in time, even just a couple of generations before, the biggest part of the population was actually uh, in food production, mm. and uh, it was also mostly local food production everything was bio and organic <laughs> and then this trust was was there for maybe hundreds of years because if your neighbor sold you some uh, crappy product then you would never buy it again so it was logical yeah. to, to trust in the source but it has totally you know maybe was being kidnapped in a certain sense and uh yeah, it's just so difficult even if you want to eat healthy to to think about that what would be the nice solution and actually that's what makes me a little bit uh, frustrated or worried on a, on a daily basis is geez man we have all of this technology all of these resources and still so even if I don't let's say uh, I don't uh, count myself as an environmentalist I try to be sustainable I try to do uh, sane stuff mm. and not over consume but my main concern and my main focus regarding to food is that the food should be healthy and that's it and if we see the whole industry and what manipulations and ad- additives and uh, what the sensory science uh, people figure out to get addicted or whatever yeah that's the biggest concern because what you are doing also with the food forest is reconnecting the people with nature and their food but the mainstream is going to a totally different direction to to disconnect people from nature and food yeah yeah and yeah certain industries you know, if there are companies which, with billions of dollars of uh, resources, they can easily hire some PhD students, like 20 or 50 or whatever, mm. or professors and whole uh, chair groups, and they can create science on a sense that uh, they they going to focus... I, I don't say that is always like that, but they can really, really influence the the way where the nutrition and, and science is going and I was also telling to Ava she, she's, uh, she was also doing the, the nutrition and health but she pre- uh, first was a dietitian that baby basically your uh, profession as a, as a dietitian it was needed or it has to be in- implemented because of the food industry created this uh, chaos and it's it's kind of a weird twist, right? Yeah, at least they have more types of jobs, right? Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's a uh, yeah. That's super super weird world if you look at it. 
like that yeah and another thing is like uh, part of my family is still in the kind of old world like believing and and it's just very hard to to influence them or, or to, to tell them anything and, and that's that's uh, is another other difficult task when you spend some years around wagoning and then go through some studies and see new uh, trends and hear about uh, food scandals on a scientific level which maybe don't uh, reach the the media it's just very difficult to to deal with this like while i'm also focusing okay and what should i eat so i'm very happy that i joined to the creative garden from this year yeah good yeah but do you think it's only the older generations or also in your own like in our generation i think uh yeah it could be that it also in our generation too yeah and you know the older generation is a tricky because for example my my mother uh, she is into the supermarket stuff but my father not mm. And my grandmother, she she's the hardcore gardener. She is now ninety four. Oh wow! <laughs> okay, this winter she doesn't have chickens because she uh, she is afraid that she sleeps uh, on the icy ground or whatever. Yeah, yeah. But uh, yeah, that's where w- most of my inspiration uh, uh, comes. That geez, man, if you wanna live healthy, just uh, keep busy, keep your busy yourself busy and uh, get your own food or be in an environment where you have the trustworthy food and then uh, you don't need medication yeah exactly because she's also you know when you are 94 i mean the whole street around her was dying and stuff in the last you know almost okay she lives there since 65 years or something well, yeah. <laughs> you know she, I can hear from her stories like uh, okay the, the healthcare is different in that uh, village like town mm-hmm. because the families are still more together so they don't necessarily put uh, their old family members to to an institute they don't institutionalize, institutionalize them to okay this is uh, the time you need medical care you go into this hospital or whatever elderly home but no the in many cases the healthy or healthier family members they support these older sick people who are often sick and d- cannot uh, leave the bed for years yeah three four years and I've heard that this is another big issue also with the Dutch healthcare system, like how to deal with the elderly. And okay, it's it's not related to food, but it's another uh, interesting topic to see how, for example, in a in a in a very urban environment, you don't you are not able to create this uh, organic supportive uh, mechanism which can be created in a in a village where you actually know your neighbors and yeah and because you know at least they can do the shopping or something and they do their own shopping it's just a but in an urban environment it's more difficult i say. think so i think so 
And why? Because you have less connection with. You have people, less connection. Right? People many times are packed together. Yeah. On, okay. Off on the top of each other. If it's a more fancy environment, there is a competition. Who has bigger house and bigger car? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was. I was having like some weird ideas about this urban rural uh, dynamics like for example I even uh, reached back to the American political parties like I was wondering like geez man if you live in a modern uh, metropolitan city of course you are progressive because there is just almost these these people all, all the time these people are coming millions of people and they just no place they have to evolve somewhere they have to go somewhere and if you live on the countryside of course you create your own world you know you'd live there since generations it's your little little uh, hacienda or yeah, whatever yeah. <laughs> of course you are conservative you don't want change you, you don't want to change your little uh, you know uh, world so that's the, that's another thing what no one talks about just they just showing, uh, you know, like they are the other party, yeah. But no one thinks about why. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I think that's indeed a bit. Even if it's just, uh, my brother also says this, like because he's moved now to Rotterdam, which is much bigger than when we are from. But when he's back home, everyone just says hi to each other, even if you don't know these people or if you see someone on the street, you just say hi. And he is like, yeah, and where I live in Rotterdam, I don't even know who's living next to me, basically. Yeah, yeah that's super weird, but can imagine that it's, yeah, it's more like a survival mode. You go there to the city, maybe also to to achieve something or yeah, to... That maybe it's another narrative. We are yeah. talking about narratives and uh, people think that there is more to achieve in a city. Of course, there was there for a long, long time. It, it was the case. And maybe still now it is the case, but uh, the quality of life, what you can live in a city, is much, much different than in a, in a countryside. Okay, you can visit theater, so the, so the cultural part is, is okay. Mm -hmm. I don't say it's it's not okay, but uh, if you have, if you would have also healthy rural communities, that the culture would be also fixed there because there would be, of course. Uh, some artists and uh, some folklore or whatever yeah, yeah 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 but then it's it's still interesting i think that you that you then i mean people want to have this connection to other people right so why if you move to the city wouldn't you have this like it would you it, your life would evolve around different things then it's kind of it's interesting i guess yeah I mean, I'm, I'm I'm not an expert on it. I've, I'm just hearing it from many, yeah, yeah, yeah. many, many uh, uh, personal development sources that most of the people feel themselves more lonely in a in a crowded city than if they would just be in a you know like some uh, rural community. Yeah, but I can imagine that like. Even if I if I'm back at my parents' place, we also have a yeah. It's a super like everybody knows each other, and even though I probably at first hand wouldn't choose my neighbors to um, maybe connect with because I don't know for whatever reason, but 
just because you are so different you also learn super nice things from each other and I think maybe if I had to pick people myself kind of then I would you you basically choose people that have similar ideas maybe I think it's also super nice to have people around you that have different views of that I don't know so it's weird that if you move to a city that suddenly it's like yeah but I I can't connect to them or something you know yeah. we don't have anything in common yeah I, I, I think it works if you have a specific focus in, uh, in art or your profession hmm. it can really work out very well because then you know where this knowledge or those resources what you need are concentrated but if you don't know what to do and just do a stupid factory job on this in the city yeah, which is yeah. in most cases the the what is happening actually there was today uh, in the impact hub uh, a conference or whatever a meetup about about this if technology is good for us or not and they were mentioning like that 24 percent or even more I did that was some some enormous amount of uh, uh, percentage but they uh, uh, highlighted that I say 24 maybe it was even more percent of the Amsterdam citizens they earn below the minimum wages really and if you see most of the cities I mean the inner city can be charming in, in most of the cities but if you go to the outskirts and you don't go to the suburbs but just uh, the other parts it's mm -hmm. not that nice place to be and I could say that okay in Hungary it is because of the communism and a lot of lots of these very dark uh, or not dark but gray buildings were pulled up uh, very quickly because it was some design but even in western european cities is, is the same same situation so i just wait a minute it was what's happened yeah yeah that's interesting yeah i think it's also this kind of uh this notion that people at least also here in the entrepreneurship track uh, a lot of people tell you if you really want to have know if your idea is good you have to go to Amsterdam and if it works there it works everywhere basically right mm. maybe really shortcut but okay but then I'm like so this is what I thought at first as well okay so I have to go to Amsterdam or at least a big city to see yeah. if it works and to you know but is this really true I'm not sure yeah it's a, it's a, it's a similar like the gold digging a bit yeah right? but that's like, maybe also yeah. a lot of people move there and i mean i mean there are also a lot who who do not achieve or their of businesses course, fail or whatever or, or imagine if you don't have the skills you just you are uh, you you haven't finished your studies you have this uh, lower qualification and you hear the same same message at all oh, go to the big city and you can yeah, make it yeah you see all the rich people are there you see all of these cars the hotels and everything and and it can happen that you're really stuck in a very low skilled job and maybe you get frustrated after a while you get into alcohol or all of this stuff you meet someone because yeah of course in a city you're gonna meet someone in a 
in a crazy clubbing night where you where you spend all of your monthly income <laughs> <laughs> and uh, maybe if sh- he or she is in an upper class or whatever then you have a difficult time to cope so may most probably you're gonna meet with someone with a similar class at least from a, a income perspective and yeah if you are badass together then you can get to the next step because together is easier but if it's not the right click maybe you can lose years in a wrong relationship maybe you're gonna have also a kid <laughs> not you but i mean in in, yeah, in, in yeah. general but it's uh, very very tricky and from the moment you go to the city you have to pay for everything for and just using the, using this free p of parking peeing pooing <laughs> <laughs> basically for everything yeah yeah and meanwhile in the countryside you can uh, you can have a che- even in the dutch context you can have a cheaper life because you are not all the time exposed to these uh, triggers of commercials and uh, the, you consume less if you, these triggers are not uh, not uh, triggered yeah exactly yeah but i think yeah so it's interesting how we have this notion of that the bigger city is always better or better if you want to try stuff or yeah because i used to have this focus as well like okay someday i have to go there and try if it works um but um yeah i'm from a small town in the south it's also close to venlo which is like a bigger city there and then i met some people there who are also into entrepreneurship and we got enrolled in this program and stuff and then i got to talk to this woman who actually moved here from the from the that region of amsterdam and um, she was also like, I don't agree with you at all that you have to go to Amsterdam because I was also saying her this like, yeah, and sometime I'll probably go there. And she's like, no, but you, it's just about um, finding your chances, you know? It's not like you you go to Amsterdam because then it works. She says, okay, for instance, Venlo has a lot of different opportunities because it's close to the border and you have bigger cities in Germany for instance Dusseldorf is yeah Dusseldorf is even close the closest bigger it's closer than Nijmegen or Eindhoven or Maastricht even so yeah and that got me thinking like okay why are people then saying this all the time that we have to go somewhere to see if it works whereas I feel yeah I completely changed my view on this what people said here that you have to go there to now like okay but maybe there are also certain ideas that are more needed somewhere and the internet helps and internet (laughs) definitely helps yeah but i learned to not um to also keep an open mind maybe i was becoming a bit too narrow in that sense but to to keep an open mind in the in the opportunities because every place wherever you go even if it's super small or you think you think it's super small has certain possibilities and opportunities but you just have to see them i think that's a really important thing that i learned (laughs) during this whole journey yeah i have the same feeling with with wagoning and uh, i see i think many people criticize it because it's uh, uh, size Mm -hmm. but uh, there is pretty much everything what i need to be happy so 
Yeah, and there are also a lot of opportunities here as well. Yeah. But I had the same before I came here. People were telling me, oh, I feel so sorry for you. You have to go there, you know. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's so weird, but it's just these these notions people have. Yeah, and, and you know, if you want to get wasted uh, every every week, then you need some clubbing place. But then maybe we should consider... I mean, I was also a party animal before, but <laughs> looking back, and I think who who needs that that uh, input every week, there is something to to think about that it's something missing mm. because there is a kind of compensation or uh, numbing some some pain or or uh, relieving some pain which is uh, kind of piled up uh, during the week that they don't like their situation, they have to commute uh, or just uh, traveling uh, through the cities. It can be very stressful too. Yeah. So what would you advise to young food entrepreneurs who want to feed the world their local <laughs> community <laughs> with, 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 uh, with uh, healthy food? What my advice is, my advice would just be to, yeah, so hard. I never, I think it's really important to go through the journey because you learn a lot from it. So I can tell you now, go to this or there or do this. Um, but I learned the most by going through it myself and learning the things that so I follow your heart, follow your heart. Then basically, yeah, yeah. yeah. Cool. And then, yeah, you will know at some point when it clicks or when it connects that you're on the right track and you have to try to follow that, I would say. Cool. And do good. Yeah, I mean, you know when something is good for others or the planet or whatever. Okay, this is maybe then a really <laughs> general yeah. thing. But um, why not? Why yeah, not? common sense, I would say. Yeah. And you can all... all always do something even if as an individual just go for it and just start even if you don't have all the knowledge yet there will be people that will help you or that will yeah you will gain the knowledge as you go so just go for it yeah ladies and gentlemen Marlene Lohmann <laughs> she was uh, dropping some wisdom <laughs> for us so. yeah okay. thank you very much thank you see you next time <laughs> thank you for all the people who will listen to this or watch this and I'm looking forward to hear the next chapter of your story and keep in touch yes thank, thank you, you for much. having me <laughs> okay. bye bye people ciao ciao